Hey, it's Travis. I wanted to take this moment to discuss our sponsor, BetterHelp. I used to think talking to a therapist was a sign of weakness until I started talking to one. It has really helped me limit the negative chatter that can infiltrate my brain. Therapy has helped me become a more insightful person, father, and husband. That's why I'm excited to tell you about BetterHelp. Their online platform makes finding a therapist incredibly easy. Fill out a brief questionnaire and you will be matched with a therapist in just a few days. Go to betterhelp.com forward slash thank you notes, betterhelp.com forward slash thank you notes, or click the link in my show notes. In doing so, you will be helping this show and you will receive 10% off your first month. If you aren't clicking with your therapist, if you're not getting a good vibe, BetterHelp will allow you to switch your therapist at any time with no additional cost. Online therapy is a game changer for me. I have such an erratic schedule. I work nights, weekends, late, early, holidays, you name it. Being able to video call my therapist from my phone in a call room, at work, or in my car, or whatever, it's extremely convenient for me and it allows me the time and the, the place to actually get my therapy in. So if you're struggling, if you need to talk to somebody, go to betterhelp.com forward slash thank you notes and they'll get you set up with somebody. This has been my thank you note to BetterHelp for supporting this show. Hi, I'm Travis McVeigh. I'm an anesthesiologist from Dallas, Texas, and this is the Thank You Notes podcast. Today's guest is one of my favorite coworkers. Her name is Jennifer Rippey. She's a CRNA. She's originally from Texas, but did her nursing and CRNA training in Kansas. I currently hold the title of CRNA liaison within my group, and Jennifer is the chief CRNA. So she and I have been working together in these capacities for about three years. Her hard work, organization, and just overall excellence have made my job, the administrative one at least, pretty damn easy. She's also a thank you note enthusiast. She sends me pictures of the thank you notes and the thank you gifts that she sends out when her and her kid get some gift in the mail or something. So this is my talk with Jennifer Rippey. Jen, thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, let's start it off with the, the same question I ask everybody. Do you write thank you notes? Um, I do write thank you notes. I would say I'm very good at thank you notes for life events. So like high school graduation, college graduation, wedding, baby, like those milestones. Um, I'm very good at getting them out very promptly. Smaller things, maybe not as much, but I do. I definitely do try. What was the last one that you wrote? What was it for? And I think you mentioned earlier that you sent food a lot. So what was it a food one or yeah. what was the last one? Yeah. So my last one was a food one. I think I do thank you food more than I do thank you notes lately. Um, actually, just Friday, um, the Friday we just had, I emailed my child's uh, teachers. He has like three main teachers. And I was like, hey, thank you for a wonderful school year. I want to buy you guys lunch on menu or lunch on Monday. Here's the menu of like one of my favorite restaurants. Pick what you want. I'll pick it up and deliver it. And so, yeah, yesterday I brought all the teachers lunch and I think it's just an easy way for me to thank somebody with maybe not having to write something. I, don't, I feel like I'm not 
like very good with words. And so maybe it's just an easy way for me to express myself without having to like write a whole thank you note. Like I feel like food is like this universal thing everyone loves. And I'm like, I'm, I'm showing you gratitude through Mm -hmm. food. I can, uh, I can relate with that. Uh, Buying lunch. That's especially in the medical profession. That's kind of a thing that happens, you know, buy lunch for the office or something. That's kind of a common thank you thing that we do. Your son, does he write thank you notes? Do you make him do that? You know, we, I tried when he was little, like after birthdays, we had these little notes you could just like fill in. Mm-hmm. It was like, it was pre-printed and it was like, thank you for my fill in the blank. <laughs> and then I really enjoyed you coming to my party. And then like, he had to sign his name. So it was like only like two fill in the blanks. And it, it was slow going and probably some tears. As he's gotten older, he now has his own stationery. And every now and then I can I can get him to write something. There's still, you know, his spelling's not good. It's not what he wants to do. Um, so there's a little bit of protest. But he, um, like this weekend, he had a birthday party. And I just have a blank box of like birthday cards. Like just this happy birthday and there's nothing on the inside. And so... He drew a little picture for his friend and then I made him on that birthday card write, thank you for inviting me to your birthday party. So it's kind of getting two things done mm-hmm. at once. So here's your birthday card and a thank you at the same time. How old's your son? About to be nine. Okay. Really, the reason that I r- wanted to have you on here is because you are the chief CRNA for the anesthesia group that we both work for. And you have made my job, both directly and indirectly, a lot easier just because of all the hard work and the good work and the organizational skills that you have. Everybody in the group is thankful for you, but me especially. So I wanted to know, is that, have you always been like this? Were you you like this in high school? Is it something you grew into? Talk to me about that. No, in general, like I love organization. I love planning. It's kind of just who I am. Like sometimes it's almost all consuming. Like I just like have to be planning or organizing something. Um, But actually, would you believe this is like really the first leadership role I've like ever had in my life? Like I've never been like class president or, or anything. So this is the first thing I've I've done of like kind of managing people. That's shocking, honestly. <laughs> now, when you went into nursing, was the plan always to be a CRNA or how did you come about to the world of anesthesia? It's kind of a fun story. So anesthesia kind of found me. Um, I come from two parents who are not in the medical field. So clearly they weren't like telling me what to do. And my first day of nursing school, so I did a bachelor's of science in nursing. That was in 2002. I started nursing school. I'm kind of back in those days, you didn't need a bachelor's degree. You could, there's some other routes to get into nursing. And because I was getting a bachelor's degree, our professors um, were very big advocates. Of, if you're getting a bachelor's, you might as well just get a master's degree in something. If you're here, just go all the way. So the very, very first day of nursing school, like, welcome to nursing school. Here's your choices for master's degrees. 
you can be a CRNA or you can be a nurse practitioner. You need to pick one and you need to do one of those if you're here. And I picked CRNA that day, like in my mind, and was kind of like just on a one-way track ever since that day. I was like, all right, I got to get these grades. I got to take these tests. Um, You have to work in the ICU before you can go to anesthesia school. There's two tests you have to take to apply. And that's like very Mm single-minded. And I'm actually very glad they told me about it because I, like I said, I've had no exposure to anyone in anesthesia and they were the ones that really guided me into this profession. So you kind of jumped in sight unseen, crossed my fingers, hope I hope I like this. Yeah. I mean, I had never even been in an operating room, Mm -hmm. um, which is kind of weird. I didn't, um, I might've like shadowed for like half a day, but when I went in, the patient was already asleep. I kind of talked to the CRNA and like left. So didn't really get to like experience the culture or anything. It was just like, yeah, that sounds cool. Sure. I'll do it. So was it a shock? Like, did you, did you pass out at the site of blood or what did you think the first time that you made it to an operating room? The ICU work I did before anesthesia school, I was in a neurotrauma ICU. So that kind of prepared me, I think, for the OR. But none of that, none of that really, mm-hmm. really bothers me. I'd, I'd seen quite a bit of horrific things in the ICU because in the ICU, sometimes, you know, they go from the ER to the ICU. Um, they skip the operating room because it's not an operable condition. So we mm-hmm. didn't see you know, a lot of not fun things. So that you meant you started this in 2002 and then at what year did you become a CRNA? Um, so let's see, I graduated nursing school, 2004. You have to work in the ICU for two years. And I did three cause I'm young. And then I graduated anesthesia school in 2010. Okay. And then you moved to Texas after that from Kansas, correct? Correct. So from Texas, just went to Kansas for anesthesia school. Okay. Okay. So came back home. Let's see. Is there somebody that you've kind of modeled your your clinical persona after, your leadership style after, or where does all this come from? Anesthesia-wise, it's for sure Scott Merrill. He is an anesthesiologist with um, our group, with USAP. Um, so he interviewed me when I was applying for jobs, I only applied for one job. (laughs) He interviewed me, he hired me, he mentored me. I worked for that group for um, five years. And moving from academic medicine into community-based private practice, fast-paced medicine, he really like honestly taught me everything. He is like the most patient person you will ever meet. He was never angry with me. He was always like giving me tips and tricks. I think it helped too, because his daughters are about 10 years younger than me. So it was kind of like, he was always like, you really remind me of my daughters. And he was very caring. Like I said, I I really think I get almost all of my anesthesia style from him um, because we work so closely together for so many years. I've had some experience with Scott and it's very, it was really interesting calling him on the phone because you just, you have to put up with the birds in the background that are so freaking loud. And I, I guess that's one of his hobbies. You you know him better than I do, but he's an, an, yeah, he enjoys nature photography. So there was a good chance he was probably 
outside photographing something. And I had the same, I had a similar experience with him. I, we worked at his hospital in Richardson for a little while and he's very patient, very knowledgeable, very, very good guy. I enjoyed working with him, but it was the birds is always what uh, stuck out to me. That's funny. You should see his pictures. They're amazing. And they're him and his friend used to like go to like downtown Dallas to like some weird part of town just to get a sunrise picture or a bridge picture. I actually have one of his pictures. I got blown up is hanging up in um, my master bedroom. He took this beautiful, like foggy moon picture of reunion tower mm-hmm. and casually just was like, sent it to me. He's like, Hey, what do you think of this picture? And I was like, Oh my gosh, it's so beautiful. Like we got married at reunion tower. Oh, And so he actually just let me like have the rights to the photo and yeah, I got it blown up. It's this huge picture. Um, he's very talented. I, I guess I knew he did photography, but that, that kind of falls in line with everything. That's really cool. So you worked in, uh, I guess it was Garland or Richardson. And then mm-hmm. you, uh, then you come to our group in Dallas and work for a little bit. What was your attitude when you got put in charge of the CRNAs and you became C- chief CRNA? Did you feel like an imposter syndrome or did you feel like you were ready for it? I just really wanted to get things organized and just like make everybody happy. You know, I just wanted everyone to have a good experience and be organized and just, I guess, represent them well um, and advocate for them and be there when they needed somebody, you know, not the person that they like, Hey, this is going on. And you listen and like, okay, like brush it off, try to find a solution Mm -hmm. to an issue they're having or advocate for them. Um, and maybe try to make their life easier in any way possible. I would say that your leadership style was, what was the phrase that I used? I think it was like hyper-transparent fairness. Yeah. Do you think that's accurate? Do you have a, a, a better way to describe it? What would you think your leadership style is? It's like, you know, back to like treat people like you want to be treated, I think is, is what I really try to do. Um, I, if somebody tells me the schedule is going to be out on the 15th of every month, I expect the schedule to be out on the 15th of every month. You know, if I put in a PTO request, I expect somebody to reply to that request promptly so I can plan my trip. You know, I want somebody who's going to fairly distribute the holidays. So it's really, it's transparent in the, in the way that that's what I expect out of people. And I assume that's what they, how, how they would like to be treated as well. And like I said, advocating for them, if I see something that's not working, I don't disregard what they're telling me. I will talk to somebody about it. Um, I mean, just a basic thing of my staff didn't have an email before, mm-hmm. before they started work. Uh, they were getting their email on the first day of work. And I, you know, emailed um, the people at the, or we had a meeting about it, actually, the people at the, you know, kind of the office people and said, hey, this this isn't working for my team. And they have subsequently had meetings about it and are working on it. Like I said, I just want to make their life easy and listen to concerns they have and try to fix them promptly. Do you run your house the same way that you run your CRNAs? Is your husband husband receptive to that? <laughs> um, I do. I sit down with my kid on Sunday night and we look over the lunch menu and what days do you want to buy lunch? 
um, my husband and I make a menu for the week, you know, so there's not this, what are we having for dinner debate? Like these are our meals for the week. This is Mm -hmm. what we're having. I think he's learned to accept it, but at the same time, I did marry a guy who is like a master at Excel. Mm. (laughs) And um, I mean, he has a spreadsheet for everything. It kind of works like our, I guess our OCDs work together. I mean, this is a man who took a printed spreadsheet of our Disney vacation to Disney of like, all right, the parade's happening from this time. So we need to hit the parade. But maybe if we leave the parade five minutes early, there's this ride is around the corner and it normally has a long line, but it won't have a long line because everyone's at the parade. Like things are, are very planned at my household. Like, you know, I could tell you where my vacations are the next few years. Actually, the other day I was frustrated because I couldn't make a hotel reservation for next summer because it's not open yet. But I was like, you know, I'm ready. I'm ready to plan this trip. Like, why isn't the rest of the world? Mm-hmm. Okay. I've ne- I don't think I've ever met your husband, but I was wondering if opposites had attracted or if he was as uh, organized and with it as you are. But it sounds like you, you found uh, the perfect match. Yeah. And he's like super detail oriented, too. So it um it works out good, maybe even more so than me. He, you know, enjoys um, he does woodworking and things and very, very detail oriented. So it works good. Now, do you think your son's going to grow up to be this way or do you think he's going to rebel? There'll probably be some rebellion in there just because he's like, he'll probably be that kid. that was like, oh, my mom made me, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. be so organized. You know, his his toy bin started out organized, but, you know, I'm always like, oh, put your stuff away. Like, put your shoes in your cubby. Like, he has a cubby for his shoes. So uh, that'll actually be really fun to see what happens if he's going to be super organized or just like, I've had enough. Stop telling me to put my shoes in my cubby. (laughs) I'm a grown up. I guess I drill down on this because I'm so jealous. Like, I I wish I was this way, but. I, I I can't keep it up. I can keep it up for a week or two, but I, I I wish I could be that way. All right, I wrote you a thank you note. I'm gonna read it to you now. It's a I had to write this on my phone. I it's a long story, but I'll read it to you now. It says, "Dear Jen, I feel like you deserve multiple thank you notes for the numerous ways in which you've helped me, both directly and indirectly. Your leadership and organization have made the group a better place to work." Not only is everything fair and transparent, you frequently step up and take unpopular shifts, which is the definition of leading by example. We've had very good success in recruiting new CRNAs to come work with us. When anyone tries to praise me for this success, I respond the same way every time. I set the hook and Rippy gets them in the boat. This is all in addition to the outstanding work you do with our patients as well in the operating room. Thank you for making my job so easy, Travis. Thank you. It's um, very kind. Very kind. I feel like we do have maybe sometimes a thankless job. And so it's always nice to to hear thank you. Well, it's uh, leadership especially is a thankless job. All in all, it's you're very, very nice to work with, very great to work with. I think I think we work well together. I do too. I think you work well with everybody. All right, Jen, did you bring a thank you note in? I did bring a thank you note in. I kind of have you and your podcast to thank for this thank you note. Mm -hmm. Um, I couldn't decide who to write a thank you note to. Obviously, there's so many people I could thank. And I noticed you have like a theme of bringing your old teachers on. Um, You've had like 
three or four of your teachers. And one, I'm just impressed by that because I remember one, exactly one teacher I've ever had. I cannot name a single other teacher I've ever had my entire life, except for one. Really? And yeah, I mean, it's weird. Like my husband can name every teacher he's had since kindergarten. And you ask me to name anybody, my fifth grade teacher. That's kind of like you were talking about with my organization. Like it's very, like I'm a very task oriented person of like, all right, like this was my teacher. I completed the grade moving on. And so I do see maybe that's why I don't remember a lot of teachers, but it was your German teacher who was like, you guys should thank teachers. Like teachers don't get enough thanks. And I was like, yeah, he brings up a valid point that we don't thank our teachers enough. And like I said, I only remember one teacher, Miss mm. um, Banks. Miss Banks was um, my fifth grade teacher. Um, she was years and years and years ahead of her time in terms of her teaching style, doing very hands-on activities in the classroom. One of my most favorite memories, which I don't have many from school apparently, was um, Miss Banks. She, this is fifth grade. She had us, um, like I said, she was very like much into the science, technology, engineering, and math before it was a thing. We did this project with toothpicks and you had to buy toothpicks. Each toothpick had a, a value as if it was like a construction site. And we had to build a bridge out of these toothpicks. So um, we got in a group and we built it. And my group's bridge was the most expensive to build. However, it she was able to put like the most weight on our bridge. We had to design this bridge and um, like just really fun activities. And I have never told her thank you in my life until today. Mm. I have you and your German teacher to thank for this as well. So shout out to Hair Weaver. <laughs> um, I wrote to her, Miss Banks. It has been 31 years since I was in your fifth grade class. To this day, you are the only teacher I remember. I still vividly remember my first day of fifth grade at a new school in a new country. You sat me at a group of desks with Cam and Justin. Cam, Justin, and I are still friends to this day. So thank you for the gift of lifelong friends. You introduced me to science and showed me that women can love science. I loved our experiments and documenting our results in our scientific journals. I remember that you were so proud of my handwriting <laughs> and organization in my scientific journal. To this day, I still love all things organization. Looking back, I realized that you truly loved teaching and your students. I believe that you are way ahead of your time in your teaching methods and STEM style class format. Thank you for being the best teacher I ever had. Jennifer, at the time, Lustig, so she knows who I am. Is Ms. Banks still with us? Yeah, so really funny you asked that. Just yesterday on Facebook, um, she posted a picture that she's, so she still lives overseas. I was overseas at the time when I was in her class living in Germany. And she is getting ready to go to the Odyssey of the Mind World Championships. Like she, I do not know her age. I don't want to even guess, maybe in her 60s. Um, 
but she is still at it. She's still going. I mean, she posts all these pictures on Facebook of hers at seminars and conferences, and she's still amazing. We haven't spoken in person since then, but I do love, you know, seeing her pictures and, and knowing that she's still doing what she loves. Sounds great. So Miss Banks, so I didn't know that you lived in Germany. I did. And it was so fun listening to your episode about like you going to Germany and your German teacher. I'm afraid you know German better than me, though, because I went to the American school when I was mm-hmm. there. So, um, you know, learned some German. But yeah, I lived there um, from the fifth through the ninth grade. Um, my mom works for the government and we were stationed over there for five years and it was amazing. What part of Germany did you live in? Uh, we were in Wiesbaden, which okay. is kind of Frankfurt area. Most people yeah. know Frankfurt. And uh, I haven't been back since, actually. So now that my kid's old enough, I'm just like, we're just going to wait and take him. And my husband and my kid are going to have to do the whole trip down <laughs> memory lane. Yeah, I haven't been back since 1997. So I'm, I've been dying to go back. I, I guess I've been to the airport. That doesn't really count. but Yeah. Uh, All right. Last question, Jen. You are the uh, queen of outdoor vacations. What for somebody that wants to take an outdoor vacation with a kid, we'll just say like, you know, between three and eight years old. What do you look for in the places that you go and what somewhere that you would recommend? I don't know if you look for a specific thing, but I would Say um, the national parks is probably your best starting point to go with kids. I mean, well, actually, we took Connor to his first national park for his first birthday. Uh, He went to Glacier National Park. It wasn't like his birthday trip. We just happened to be there on his birthday. But it's great. National parks, um, (laughs) especially as your kids age, national parks have very poor cell phone reception. Right. So there's no iPads. The, the historic lodges have no televisions. It truly is family time. It's time in nature. And the national park system, you know, they have their visitor center. Everything's very planned out for you. You don't have to like mm-hmm. kind of, you know, get this random cabin in the woods and like, oh, where are we going to hike today? You know, you get your little park brochure and there's still a cafeteria there and a little camp store so it's a nice introduction and obviously it's a national park. They've been around for, for so long. They're beautiful. You do just have to plan them many months in advance. If you would like to um, either get a camping spot or a hotel in the national park, that was the one that I can't book for next summer yet for next uh, July. (laughs) And I, I was like, come on, like, I really want this specific hotel. Um, it's they, like I said, they have these historic lodges that were built in the early 1900s. I mean, the one we stayed in last summer had no air conditioning in Oregon, but they're just, they're so historic and beautiful and the history and the architecture. But if I had to pick uh, one of my favorites, I love Glacier National Park. And it's nice too at Glacier, right? A lot of national parks, you just like drive through. It's kind of like you drive, you get out, you look at something pretty, you drive. So it's, you're not like walking millions of miles a day and exhausting your child. They have a lot of paved trails too, like a little like quarter mile paved thing. You can take the stroller, look at a waterfall. So Glacier and then Yellowstone is, um, is my husband's favorite, but I think those are 
great starting points for people that want to get outside and see something beautiful that's been around forever and has been protected by our country for everybody to see. Yeah, and good weather in the summer too. Yeah, definitely. That's why next summer we're heading up to to uh, Olympic National Park because we will escape the Texas heat uh, Mm -hmm. in July. (laughs) Was that, did you grow up going to national parks or is that something you kind of got into in adulthood? No, it's actually my husband is the one that um, I think probably like maybe two years into our marriage, he was like, hey, let's go on a road trip. And we drove to, um, drove up to Utah and we did Arches National Park and Canyonlands in Colorado. We did Black Canyon of the Gunnison, Gunnison, something like that. And we camped at the time. I mean, like we just packed up the tent and we we drove out there. We um, subsequently have upgraded to a camper. Um, so now we do have a little bit more luxury. But um, no, it was it was all his idea. And now I've lost track of how many we've been to, we've been to a majority of, of national parks in the country. And I really, I really think it's, it's one of the best gifts you can give your child. He has like a little, um, the national parks have this little stamp book. So every national Mm -hmm. park you go to, you can get a little stamp and I take his picture with the national park sign and I put it in his book and his book is full. I've had to purchase a second, a second book for him. And I, I always jokingly say, I was like, you're not going to write an essay for college. You're just going to submit this book. <laughs> and um, hopefully it will show college that you're a well-rounded person. Wow. All right, Jen Rippy, we did it. Thank you so much for being my guest. And uh, All right. any, I guess I'll see you at work. All right. Well, thanks for having me. All right. Thanks for tuning in. I'll have a copy of the photo that Jennifer talked about on my Instagram account. We'll have another episode in two weeks. In the meantime, subscribe, like, rate, review, and praise this podcast wherever you're listening. Follow my podcast on my various social media accounts, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. I think we're actually on LinkedIn now too. Those accounts are linked in the show notes. Email the show a thank you note. The email address is thankyounotespod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.